welcome to Booking Back Podcast, where we stroll down memory lane and revisit the books of our childhood, what they meant to us, and how they've affected us today. While we, your co-hosts, are millennials, the nostalgia of childhood never ages. Join us as we travel back in time. Welcome back. Today we'll be covering Holes by Lewis Sacker. And of course, we're going to start off with a quote. This one is a actually a little song, but I will not sing it. If only, if only the woodpecker sighs, the bark on the tree was just a little bit softer. While the wolf waits below, hungry and lonely, he cries to the moon, if only, if only. We'll start off with some facts. The, this book was released in 1998, and the movie based on the book was released in 2003. What a time in our childhood, huh, Penn? Do you remember the movie with Shia LaBeouf? Yes, I do, because there was a show on the Disney Channel called Even Stevens, where Shia LaBeouf became a household name because everybody was watching that show. Um, and he was cast for the movie Holes um, during that time. And I also remember this movie specifically because it came out when I was in eighth grade. Um, and usually every year, the eighth grade class goes on a really big field trip to Washington, D.C., Um, but the war in Iraq had just started and 9-11 had happened a few years earlier. So, and at at that time, of course, the Pentagon was attacked. So because of that, um, you know, our school district said no more trips to, you know, Washington, DC. So, uh, instead of that, we got to go watch holes and we went bowling as a class, which was super fun, but, you know, it was a different kind of vibe than going to Washington, DC. Another reason I love this book is I love the author, Lewis Sacker. Um, he wrote a series of other books called Sideways Stories from Wayside School. It was very quirky and ironic and funny. It had the, the kind of tie-ins that, that this book has. Um, and I just, I love those books. So uh, I was very excited when this one came out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love those books too. I'll have to reread those at some point. Um, he just definitely, it's a fun read. And even just reading it now, um, after all these years, I I know why I enjoy this book so much as a kid as well. Um, and you know that you talked about the, um, the the show Even Stevens, and I feel like that was the best time for Disney shows, in my opinion, because we had Even Stevens, we had Lizzie McGuire. Nothing can even come close nowadays. You know, and they even rebooted Doug, because Doug, I think, he used to be on Nickelodeon, and they had a Disney version at that time to kind of get it up and up and going again. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned, this was one of the most memorable books memorable books from my childhood. I still remember reading it for the first time I'd spend, this was back when we had time to actually sit and read a book for an afternoon. Um, and I would sit like lounging on my parents, um, couch and just read for hours. And I still remember like the first time I read through, I was a little confused as I was reading it, but then everything comes together at the end, as we'll talk about. And it was so magical for me that I actually reread it right away just to catch, you know, catch all those things that I missed the first time. Um, so it really, this book has really stuck with me all those years. Yeah. And sometimes a book is so great. You just didn't want it to end, you know? So sometimes that's why you go over and start again because you're like, oh, it's finished. But now I, I just got to enjoy that again. <laughs> the story starts out with a kid named Stanley. And I think of all the famous Stanleys we have there. Um, so we have Flat Stanley, right? Who also came from a book, travels to random places, I don't remember where I brought my Flat Stanley because we had to do that in school, but I do remember that somebody brought Flat Stanley onto Jeopardy, and I don't know how anyone can top that. Um, And then, of course, there's Stanley Hudson, another famous Stanley. He's a noted character on The Office, and he's a dedicated pretzel day lover. 
And we love this Stanley because his last name and his first name um, are palindromes. So that means his last name is his first name spelled backwards. Possibly the most ingenious name, by the way. (laughs) So Stanley is an unlucky guy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He has been accused of a crime that he ha- that he hasn't committed, stealing an old pair of sneakers from a professional athlete, Clyde Livingston. Um, Stanley and his family blame his no good, dirty, rotten, pig stealing great great grandfather, a family legend who has brought bad luck to the family for generations. So, as a punishment, Stanley is on a bus um, at the beginning of the book to Camp Green Lake, which is a juvenile detention camp in the desert, and ironically, not a camp not green, and not a lake. And when he gets to the camp, he meets his counselor, Mr. Pendansky, who the kids call mom, and uh, Mr. Sir, who is a cruel tyrant who's always saying that this isn't a Girl Scout camp. Uh, Stanley learns that all the campers are expected to dig a hole that's five feet deep, five feet wide, each day. And Stanley has always been a socially awkward kid um, because he was overweight and shy. And so he has to acclimate to filling in the campers who have their own culture and some of them come from different backgrounds than him. Um, And he learns that, you know, he has his own place in line. Everybody else goes first. Some people get a certain shovel. uh, And so he has to kind of get used to that kind of atmosphere. So all the boys at the camp have nicknames and Stanley earns the nickname of caveman. Uh, X-Ray, who's a kid with dirty glasses, is the leader of the group. And then we have Zero, who's a kid who doesn't talk and apparently likes to dig holes, according to the other kids. And he's only, um, Zero is also the only kid that is mocked by the other counselors, especially uh, Mr. Padensky, uh, a.k.a. Mom, who is generally nice to everyone else. It's really weird how he kind of singled Zero out as the kid he didn't like. Um, and I remember actually as a kid feeling that way when things were kind of unfair. And you, you never really forget it, actually. Uh, Adults are supposed to be reliable and trustworthy for kids, and this book really highlights when that is most definitely not the case. Penn, did you have any nicknames? I did, actually. So I have an Indian pet name that my family generally calls me, Um, and it's kind of funny that you bring that up because of how this book deals with the duality of names and characters. Like, um, Stanley is also known as as Caveman. Um, Hector is also known as Zero. Catherine versus Kissing Kate. Um, and it kind of represents their differences in, in who they are, even with just the name. How about you? Did you have any nicknames? I also had some, you know, many nicknames um, and also like an Indian pet name. My parents actually don't call me by my um, official name. They have, you know, nicknames for me. And there was actually during my graduate schooling, there was a shortened version of my real name um, that has now been my nickname and still have met a uh, uh, graduate you know, friends, um, colleagues who called any of that name all these years later, which is kind of cool. So eventually Caveman figures out that the warden, who's the lady who's running the camp, is actually looking for something by having the boys dig holes all day. Stanley finds a gold tube with the words KB on it. He gives it to X-Ray, the group leader, who pretends to find it in a different hole the next day so he can get some time off or get the day off, basically. Uh, This makes the warden very excited and causes the group to get extra water as they try to dig in that area to look for more, um, more treasures or, you know, whatever else might be in that area. And then Stanley later realizes that it's a lipstick tube belonging to Kissin' Kate Barlow, an outlaw who robbed her great grand, his great grandfather years ago. 
While the reader learns of Caveman's daily life at the camp, the narrator starts weaving tales of three separate stories. The history of Stanley's great-great-grandfather and how he was cursed, the tale of kissing Kate Barlow, and the events, uh, the series of events that landed Stanley at Camp Green Lake. So Stanley's great-great-grandfather was Elia Yelnats, and this just took place in Latvia. And he was in love with a woman that he had to trade a pig to win her hand in marriage from her father. So he went to Madame Zeroni for help and she gave him the runt of her litter with a promise that as the pig grew strong and Elia grew strong, that he would carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain and sing her the song that we heard at the beginning of the episode. Things didn't work out with the girl. Uh, and so Elia ends up on a boat to America and he realizes too late that he has broken his promise to Madame Zeroni. So he ends up being cursed by her um, along with his family for generations. He tries to find Madame Zeroni's son in America, but he is never able to find him. Now, the quote that we started the episode with is the song that Elia's American wife translated from Latvian to English. I would like to think that quote really speaks about just being out of reach of something amazing and not being able to fully reach it. The if only, if only kind of thing. Absolutely. And it seems so melancholy and fitting um, because things are so hard for their family. Um, And this song kind of alludes to the hope that they have that things will be better later. Meanwhile, the story of Kiss and Kate Barlow is woven into Stanley's story. Her origin story starts out as her being a school teacher at Green Lake, who is beloved and beautiful. She's pursued by the town's richest bachelor, Trout Walker, who is honestly a real jerk. I really enjoy that his name, his like nickname is Trout because his feet stink so bad and that his feet stink for the same reason as Clive Livingston, the baseball player whose shoes Stanley allegedly stole. It's kind of these little throwbacks that I love and make this book so enjoyable to read. Absolutely. Kate Barlow ends up getting Sam the onion picker to help fix some problems in the schoolhouse. Sam is black and is not allowed to attend school with the the white folks in the town. While he's working, Kate and Sam bond over their love of poetry. Kate falls in love with Sam, although although, um, any relationship would not have been legal at that time because of his race. And Sam on his own is appreciated by the townspeople because he sells onions to them with his donkey, Mary Lou. His onions have helped kids recover from food poisoning, warded off yellow spotted lizards, and even helped with hair growth. Um, And these little tidbits do come up later in the book as well. Yes, they do. Um, So anyway, Sam and Kate are kissing in the rain. It's a magical time. But then they are seen by a townsperson who states, God will punish you. And soon tells the whole town, the whole town knows. So when Kate goes to teach school, none of the children show up and she wonders if it's a Saturday. And as an aside, I totally related to this because I once uh, recently wished somebody a good weekend and they told me it was Tuesday. (laughs) So it happens to the best of us. But anyway, soon Kate discovers that a drunk sheriff is planning on hanging Sam for kissing her uh, as a black man kissing a white woman. The sheriff propositions her that if Kate kisses him, he will only run Sam out of town instead of killing him. She slaps him and refuses him and runs to find Sam to tell him that they have to run away and leave Mary Lou the donkey behind. While Kate and Sam are on the boat running away, they're caught and Kate is taken against her will while Sam is killed in the water. Kate then puts on lipstick, kills and kisses 
the sheriff and becomes a feared outlaw. Um, it hasn't rained for 110 years at Green Lake since that happened. I love the question the narrator asks, who do you think God punished? Me too. In American history, it's so fascinating and awful how much freedom and liberty is celebrated by people who owned enslaved people or held racial prejudice. I also want to note that while we call her Kate in the summary, in the book, she is called Miss Catherine, while she's kind of in the proper part of her life as a school teacher, and is only called Kate once she becomes an outlaw, almost signifying that she has become a different person. She does end up robbing Stanley's great-grandpa, stranding him in the desert. All he can remember from the experience is that he found refuge, sorry, that. all he can remember is that he found refuge on God's thumb which nobody understands what that means. Kate, after years of becoming an outlaw, is feeling numb in the desert, missing Sam. She wakes up one day to Trout Walker and his wife aiming a shotgun at her and demanding that they show them where she has buried their treasure. She refuses to tell them and ends up getting bitten by a yellow spotted lizard. She dies laughing, never revealing where the treasure is buried. Back to Caveman's story. He is asked by Zero to teach him how to read. Initially resistant, Caveman changes his mind when Zero says that he knows Caveman didn't steal the shoes and also um, knows when Caveman takes the fall for magnet stealing um, sunflower seeds. So they work out a deal where Zero will dig Caveman's hole for an hour and Caveman will teach him how to read for an hour. And of course, the other boys are not happy about this and they're, they're jealous. They try to bully um, Stanley and even Mr. Padansky wants Stanley to teach them a lesson. It is interesting to note how the counselors are pitted against the campers. For example, the warden slaps Mr. Sir with her rattlesnake venom nails for bringing Stanley up um, there for stealing the sunflower seeds, which of course Magnet did. And this leads Mr. Sir punishing Stanley for a few weeks by depriving him of water. And then at another point, Mr. Podansky is almost pun is, is nearly punished for publicly questioning the warden, leading her to verbally berate him. And so all of this conflict comes to a head when Armpit and Stanley um, get into a fight. And this leads to Armpit attacking Stanley. Uh, Zero jumps in and starts strangling Armpit, which leads to kind of everybody getting pulled off of each other. Zero declares that he's never digging another hole again and runs into the desert for a sure death because he doesn't have any water or shelter to protect him. When Zero doesn't return to camp over the next few weeks, the counselors delete his record, so he'll be hard to find if anyone comes looking for him. Can you believe that they did that? They're just like, we'll just pretend he's never existed. It shows a lack of moral conscience for sure which I think is a constant theme in this as well with the counselors. Yeah. So Stanley is worried that Zero is out there dead in the desert. He tries to steal the water truck um, to bring it to Zero, but ends up running into the, you know, uh, running in, into a hole and then running out of the truck into the desert without any water. While he's wandering, he wonders if he can bargain with the warden about telling her where the lipstick tube was really found. Um, but he's also worried that she will hurt him. In the end, he runs into a crashed boat named the Mary Lou, which the reader, of course, knows as Sam's boat. In it, he finds Zero, who is surviving on something he calls sploosh. These are very old canned peaches that Catherine had made 110 years ago. While they're sheltering in the boat, they realize that they can see a mountain far away shaped like a thumb. 
Now, Rocky, I believe you are a mountain girl. Uh, I remember somebody insisting on getting married near the mountains of Colorado. Uh, and I can confirm that it was a very beautiful venue and a beautiful event. Yes, absolutely, Penn. Born and raised in Colorado, you definitely gain a certain level of love for mountains. So I convinced my husband to have our wedding there, and I don't regret it one bit. But anyway, back to the book. When the guys tread the long trip to God's thumb, Stanley has to carry Zero up the mountains because Zero is having stomach spasms to the point that Stanley is worried Zero may even die. Stanley carries Zero up the mountain and sings the lullaby that his parents had sang to him. They discover that they are in a field of onions, which the reader knows is where Sam had probably been getting his onions 110 years ago. The guys eat a ton of onions and find a source of water that suggests that the stream is running uphill. While there, Stanley has an epiphany that he likes himself now, which he never did before. He and Zero also discuss Zero's childhood, uh, where he and, his, and Zero's mom would take things whenever they needed them. Eventually, Zero was abandoned for unknown reasons and ended up being a ward of the state. He also divulges that he was the one who took Clyde Livingston's shoes. He thought that taking them would be fine because they were a stinky old pair. Um, but when he realized fast that they were not just an old pair of sneakers, he threw them off an overpass, which is how Stanley found them. They make a plan to sneak back to Camp Green Lake to find the treasure that Kiss and Kate Barlow um, had buried there. They, of course, don't want to get caught. So while they're digging, they discover the treasure. And uh, they're also discovered by the warden and the counselors who are in their pajamas. Before anyone can act, everyone discovers that Stanley and Zero are sitting inside a yellow spotted lizard nest. The warden tries to convince the counselors to take the suitcase uh, with the treasure in it from the boys, but everyone is afraid of getting bitten and dying. Now, these yellow spotted lizards are kind of a recurring theme in the book, um, that their bite is poisonous and that... Um they have a lot of unique features to them. And just as a note, this is a fictional animal. Um, there are not a lot of poisonous lizards out there in the United States. I think there are only two kinds of breeds because I looked into this. <laughs> so this is purely a fictional animal. No one has to worry about running into these lizards for real. But um, while the boys are in the hole, Zero asks Stanley if his first name is his last name backwards. Stanley is surprised to hear that Zero was working on this, especially when they're sitting in a stressful time um, with the lizard's nest. Um, but Zero has been working on figuring out words their whole trip together. Um, at that time, two new characters walk into the scene. One comes in stating that she is Stanley's attorney. She brings with her the attorney general of the state. And it turns out that Stanley is discovered to be innocent and was supposed to be released the day before. However, the warden had refused to release him, of course, because she didn't have him. Um, and she stated that Stanley was ill and that's why they couldn't see him. So Stanley uh, finally decides to slowly come out of that hole and is safely able to do so. As we know that um, onions are a repellent for those lizards, as we found out earlier. The warden tries to grab the suitcase from Zero's hand as he's coming out, but Zero shocks them all by stating that the suitcase has Stanley's name on it. The warden is so shocked that she can't even speak in full sentences. It turns out that the warden is a descendant of Trout Walker and had been digging holes her whole life trying to find Kiss and Kate's treasure. Stanley's lawyer threatens to sue the camp. Stanley refuses to leave without Zero. Um, so his attorney asks to see Zero's files. And of course, there are no files because they were deleted earlier. 
and Stanley's lawyer fights to bring Zero home with them. I love the last chapter of the book, which is titled Filling in the Holes, super clever. And there we find out that both Zero and Stanley each got less than 1 million from that suitcase. There were jewels and stuff, but more valuable were papers and promissory notes um, that brought them a lot of money. And so with that, Stanley is able to buy his family a new house. Um, His father, who was an inventor, who was at the time working on inventing shoes, actually developed a... um, spray that is used to treat foot fungus which Clyde Livingston actually has and that this uh spray that he comes up with smells like peaches so um Stanley is able to provide for his family but Zero is also able to hire investigators to find his his mother which they all come together at the end um, in the living room when they're watching the Super Bowl commercials one of the commercials features Clyde Livingston the athlete whose shoes Stanley is uh, accused of stealing, watching the commercial of a product that Stanley's father had invented. And Stanley's father invented this product the day after Stanley carried Zero up the mountain and sang the lullaby to him. Stanley ultimately realizes that he likes himself and he's happy with how the events turned out as they did, even though he ended up being falsely accused and went through a traumatic event. This book is so awesome because it has many adult-like themes, if you will. There's a clear component of child abuse, the abuse of power by adults. It even discusses race from 100 years ago and to the present. There's also interestingly talks about homelessness. Both um, Clyde Livingston and Zero were homeless at some point. And after reading this book again, I do want to watch the movie. Uh, Again, I remember being so upset after reading the book and loving the book that the movie was just not the same. It was still a great movie, but honestly, which movie is, you know, the same as the book? I would argue that the Lord of the Rings is a more palatable movie than reading the book. And if people want to come for me, I get it. Those books have been around forever. So anyway, Holes was one of Shia LaBeouf's premier film roles. Um, And I do think that his popularity and even Stevens totally helped him get the role. In fact, uh, Shia LaBeouf was filming Even Stevens even while he was filming for Holes. Um, There were other famous stars in the movie like Sigourney Weaver, who plays the warden, and I thought she did a fantastic job. John Voight, aka Angelina Jolie's dad, uh, ends up playing Mr. Sir. Patricia Arquette plays Kiss and Kate Barlow. Dulé Hill plays Sam. And Henry Winkler, aka The Fonz, ends up playing Stanley's dad. Um, I was also really floored when I realized that Eartha Kitt played Madame Zeroni, very famous, glamorous singer and movie star. Um, another favorite, personally for me, is Mr. Pendansky, who was played by Tim Blake Nelson, who had a pretty important role in another movie called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, which is a modern retelling of The Odyssey, starring George Clooney. And it used to be on TBS all the time, all the time. And I used to watch it every time. Oh, I love that movie too. We should have like a viewing party, I think, with all these. <laughs> and I, and just, you know, hearing all of those famous actors, I can't believe they were in that movie. Obviously I didn't know them as the well time, as I right? do now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I also like that Lewis Sacker has a, um, had a cameo in the film. He and his wife and the daughter play the family who buy onions from Sam and has a line, my head. Um, I love that they included him. The actor that played Trout Walker passed away, unfortunately. And the film was dedicated to him. So 
Additionally, Sigourney Weaver wanted to be in the film because it was her daughter's favorite book at the time. Um, so this is kind of a constant theme for us. Another relative who convinced an actor to take the role that made the movie great. All right, we will end on Zero's family's version of the Latvian lullaby. And I will not sing it either. I will. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only, the moon speaks no reply, reflecting the sun and all that's gone by. Be strong, my weary wolf, turn around boldly, fly high, my baby bird, my angel, my only. Thanks for joining us for Holes. Let us know your thoughts as well. And join us next week as we revisit Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. Please join us again for our next episode where we dive into another book from our past. Make sure you're following us on social media where we list upcoming books as well as behind the scenes, fun facts, and trivia for each episode. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BookingBackPod. Until next time, don't be afraid to book back.